Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, January 24th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and today on a seven-game slate with quite a few teams coming on back-to-backs here, I've got myself, I've got my guy, Ramiz, as we're going to go ahead and break this down. And I know we talked about, uh, you know, the Damon and Bede last time around. That didn't work out. We really got the better pick of, of Jericho Sims over Isaiah Hartenstein <laughs> in that game. Though I, though I will say, I, I felt pretty good with the fact that I went with Van Vliet and, uh, and RJ Barrett in that one, too. So I'll give it to you. Clearly, they're going to be running a little bit more. <laughs> but how's your, how's your day gone so far? How's your weekend now coming into the Tuesday? It's been pretty good, man. I was just looking at the – I was going to watch the next game, but I was watching the box score. <laughs> I seen uh, Jericho Sims had a pretty good game. Isaiah Harris is so struggling, but hopefully he gets his groove back because uh, he is really, really cheap. So there's always something for him. Yeah, it's just uh, it's clearly <laughs> just not a small man's league, and they just have found a way for Randall to be involved in like three different <laughs> positions all at once. So yeah, it's just he's eating up everything. But I'm sure we'll get to that because the Knicks do have a game on the slate. Mm-hmm. But let's get right into it. And just before we start. Look, guys, the Sports Ethos DFS Pass it just continues to be the best value in the DFS game. Get yourself onto sportsethos.com. Get subscribed onto the DFS Pass, which gives you access to not only great content right on the website itself, it gets you onto our Discord, which gets you asking the pros all the way up until lock to see what kind of changes could make that final bit of difference on your lineup. And then, of course, you get the live injury report as well, really keeping you up to date to the minute on all the happenings that are going to make all the difference. And as we talk about, you know, the margins of error just keep getting smaller and smaller. And in a seven-game slate, you really want to have those upside picks that are going to make that difference here for you. So get yourself onto the DFS Pass and let's get right into it with the first game being Chicago on a back-to-back going into Indiana to take on the Pacers in a game, one of the few that we have the totals for so far, a 237.5 one with the Bulls favored to win by just one. So very much a coin flip of a game. And I mean, honestly, as far as Chicago is concerned, when they're fully healthy, and I've spoken about this a number of times up until now, there's just not enough upside, in my opinion, to go around to really commit myself to any one of the big three, quote unquote, within Chicago itself. And they're all around the same as far as price is concerned. From a matchup perspective and from a totals perspective, it's a pretty good matchup for them in that sense. So, you know, one of them could do at or slightly better than their value. But given that they're all hovering around 8,900 to 9,200, in the case of Vooch being 89 and Levine being 92, I just don't really see myself going to it. If I do want a little bit of exposure to this game, especially given the fact that many of the plays I like in this slate are guard heavy, I might be interested in taking a little bit of Patrick Williams at 4,700. With that small forward, power forward eligibility, played an excellent game, tonight and in fact has played I'd say three out of four really good games up until now his minutes are very secure so really the only question is whether he can get his shot going on any given night and he has pretty consistently as of late uh, he's shooting about four to five threes every game as well hitting about two of them which is excellent shooting about 50 percent from the field for the last uh, last five games altogether so not you know the most upside upside worthy pick but for 4700 a guy who can drop somewhere close to 30 dk points on a night that's a pretty good start as far as i'm concerned and if i'm looking at the indiana side 
I'm just going to stick with my old buddy, exactly what I told you last time. Until he gets to 7,000, I'm taking TJ McConnell every day of the week, and he is obviously coming off an incredible game against a Chris Paul-led Phoenix Suns team. So a fully stacked backcourt as far as they were concerned, and he was able to drop a triple-double 55.5 DK points and just continues the gravy train. And I'm just going to continue riding it until it gets out of uh, out of price point for me. But really, those are the main guys I'm looking at. What about you, Ramiz? Anyone you especially like in this matchup? Uh, so honestly, kind of going off what you said, I mean, all the Chicago Bulls side, they're all kind of roughly around the same price. And they've kind of been going on a good stretch while on the other side, Indiana's been on a seven-game losing streak. So, I mean, you can really see Tyrese Halliburton's impact there. So on the Chicago Bulls side, I just had some interest in Kobe White at 4,100. I think he's been finally been able to score the ball. And as long as he's scoring, that's good news because he's going to, in this type of matchup as well, I don't think there's going to be a lot of defense. I think Kobe White's going to have another great chance of just hitting over, like, around 25 DK fantasy points, possibly even more if it is a blowout and he gets a lot more minutes than usual. And then for the patient side of things, uh, especially with Nemhard's questionability, I kind of went with TJ McConnell. I mean, I've always been a Nemhard guy, you know, the Canadian bias in me, but uh, TJ McConnell's been playing absolutely amazing. And I think well, what's also been great about TJ McConnell is that there's games where he doesn't even play 30 minutes and he plays around 24 or like 22, but he's still been able to get to like 35 plus DK fantasy points. And that's that's what's really impressed me about TJ McConnell. Whereas it's not in his, his uh, shooting, it's not in hitting, or he's not getting enough minutes, but he's still been able to get you good value for him. And I also have uh, Chris Duarte. He's not really a guy who I put on my list, but in terms of if Nemhart's not playing, I think Duarte is a low-risk, high-reward type of guy with 3,400 because they're probably going to be shooting a lot. And in the aspect that I'm kind of fixing this match to be a blowout in the Bulls' favor, I think Duarte might get more minutes than usual and kind of uh, take advantage of the opportunity. All right. Well, we got Ramiz out here game scripting again. We'll have to see how that ends up working out. Man, trying to pick a blowout is always difficult in especially yeah. today's league. But let's see how it goes. And speaking of how it goes, let's move right into the second matchup, which is probably one of the bigger ones of the night, the Boston Celtics going into Miami to take on the Heat. We don't have a game total for this one, just given the fact that Boston is dealing with a number of injuries coming into this game. Now, of the game that we just saw in Toronto where we choked the lead and I don't want to talk about it, but we saw Marcus Smart go down in that one. And while it looked worse initially, you know, non-contact, his knee, I thought he was done. I thought it was an ACL. I, was I like, thought Crap. it was two months injury at least. Yeah, I was like, damn, he's gone for a while. But apparently we're finding out that it looks like it's going to be just an ankle sprain and even his x-rays are looking good. So, you know, Good for the Celtics, and frankly, uh, I'm happy that Marcus Smart is there because I enjoy watching him play, and he's easily my, uh, I would say, my personal favorite guy on the Celtics in terms of just the heart that he brings. But he is going to be out for this game alongside Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams. Robert Williams, another one who hurt himself in that uh, in that Toronto game as well. So we'll have to see if he actually does get himself back on the floor because he did say it was injury management for this game uh, against the Celt- against the Magic that he missed today. But we'll see if he can find himself on the floor. I don't think so, but we'll see. All of that being said, really where I'm looking at from the Boston side of things is more of a value perspective. I'm looking at Peyton Pritchard, who we got to see play 30 minutes tonight against the Orlando Magic. Wasn't necessarily the most productive night for him from a DFS standpoint, but those minutes are important. And if they're going to continue to be missing some of these floor generals, they're going to need him to be not only that scoring punch off the bench, but also be one of the bigger ball handlers. So 
from a price tag perspective, not a bad spot to be able to go. And then the same thing goes with uh, with Derek White as well. Now, we don't know whether Malcolm Brogdon is in fact going to make the way uh, onto the floor in this game against the Miami Heat because he was out just for personal reasons in this uh, in this game against the Magic today. But we'll have to see if that is in fact the case that Derek White at 5,400 becomes a very, very solid pick as well. We already know what he can do anytime he gets any sort of uh, regularity in his minutes as well as his, uh, his usage. So those are kind of the upside picks. I always find myself staying away from uh, Tatum and Brown just given their price tags and especially given the Miami matchup here defensively. But anyone you like from the Boston side or on the Miami side as well? Uh, for the Boston side, kind of a year-round, I went with Derek White at 5,400. But obviously, that's in a scenario where Marcus Martin and Brogdon aren't playing. Because I, I think this kind of match is going to be a bit of a gritty type match where it may not be a high-scoring match. And then uh, from the other side of things, I got Jimmy Butler at 7,600. Because I think uh, Jimmy Butler at 7,600 is pretty odd because... Even though he has been struggling, I feel like these are the type of games where he usually shines out, especially against Boston. Uh, he's probably had his best games most of the time. So I think uh, I think tomorrow is going to be something similar. And at 7600 I feel like a really valuable price. I, I kind of didn't want to go a lot of high with the seven games. So I think there's some good options. I think uh, and I think Jimmy Miller 7600 is some really good value. Yeah, I agree. I had looked at that price tag and thought, you know, we'll have to see how his uh, minutes and use situation is looking. But... He looked good overall, and uh, it is a back-to-back, which is always, you know, that little bit of a uh, a question mark when it comes to Butler and his his injury and whether they manage that or all of that. But I was also looking at Kyle Lowry at 4,800, who we did mm-hmm. see get himself back into a regular rotation uh, with his uh, you know, coming back from his injury back on the 18th, was playing 22 and 21 minutes in that one, but then against the Pelicans, found himself all the way up to 30 minutes in that game, and I expect that he's going to be hovering around that kind of regardless. And at 4,800, that's a pretty solid floor for him to be able to beat. What we haven't seen so far is him getting his assist numbers back the way we have been seeing kind of throughout the season, kind of closer to six. He's only had you know two assist games in the last two of them. I expect that'll get back to normal as well. So lots of upside there for 4,800. I think he is uh, someone who's going to be looking to get back into kind of that uh, mid-30s as far as DK points are concerned. And he's also someone who loves going up against Boston, you know, inside info, right? And Kyle Lowry loves <laughs> facing the Celtics. Right, we're going to have to see if he continues his um, his run of good games as he has against them. But let's move right on to the Cleveland and New York Knicks game, which with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the big news is that Donovan Mitchell is considered likely to be able to go ahead and play this matchup. So you know, it looks like we're going to get a chance to see him back on the floor. While for the Knicks, it's just kind of the regular uh, case where Mitchell Robinson is out, continued for his uh, thumb surgery. Emmanuel quickly is listed as questionable. And I'm going to let you start with this one over here because there are a couple of guys that I'm liking on this side. But Cleveland, New York, what are you thinking today? That's interesting because this game I, I, I didn't really like because I think uh, a lot of them are – Kind of value to where they at because uh, with uh, Donovan Mitchell was the one I was considering on the Cavs side of things because I think uh, it's in the Garden. I think he's one of those players who loves to show up in New York and just hoop, especially for the team that wanted to trade him but didn't pull the trigger. And I think uh, he usually just goes off against these type of teams. And then from the Knicks side of things, I think I kind of went with uh, Obi Toppin at 3300. To be honest, just a low value guy. Uh, obviously, Brunson's always appealing to me, but I, I have some other picks later down the stretch in the backcourt sense. 
that I'm going to go with, but Obi Toppin at 3,300. I think, uh, especially without Mitchell Robinson, I think they're going to try to go a different route when they play this Cavs team because I don't know if Jericho Sims or Isaiah Harnsett is going to be cutting it against this Evan Mobley and uh, Jared Allen matchup, so maybe they bring in Obi Toppin a lot more to space the floor. Yeah, completely fair over there. Uh, Donovan Mitchell definitely on the radar here for me, as you said, for all the things that he's done in the Garden. That being said... More so than Donovan Mitchell, I actually find myself leaning a little bit more towards Darius Garland. Just naturally going towards that. One, uh, just plain and simple form that he's been in for the last little while. But more so than that, when Donovan Mitchell is on the floor, there's just so much more room for Garland to be able to operate. And they've gotten much better with that as the season has kind of wore on. And as much as, you know, I'd love for him to be slightly cheaper, just given the fact that I'm looking at some of the value picks that I'm taking kind of throughout this entire slate, I've got some money left over. And I'm finding that uh, Garland will be one of those guys that I may go in because I expect that a lot of people will be going for a, a Donovan Mitchell pick or one of the uh, other guards that we may be talking about here. So he's kind of like a little bit of a contrarian pick here for me to try to see if we can take uh, take advantage of that matchup. Not to mention, he did have a below-par game earlier in the season when they did take on the Knicks, and I would expect that he would be really looking to uh, go ahead and uh, kind of straighten the route or, or straighten the boat or <laughs> right the boat, whatever you want to call it. Gary Scarlett needs to get himself back into the groove against the Knicks. Had a had a five of 19 shooting game in that one. Definitely not uh, what we've been seeing from his self this entire season. So let's see how that goes. And as far as the Knicks side is concerned, it, it, it pains me. I, I hate doing it, but it's just RJ Barrett's been playing too well for me. Yeah. To <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate him. He did it, right? He did it well against Toronto. It clearly worked well over there. It's just, man, it's one of those things where clearly they're pretty much force-feeding that offense through him now. It's like they pretty much told him that we need you to take 20 shots a game every game you play. And I, I don't like it. I don't think he should be. But you know what? That's just the reality of things right now. And what he's doing quite well is getting himself to the rim. And even the games where he doesn't do well is the ones where he decides to just kind of settle and shoot from outside. And so where he's getting his free throw attempts up, and I expect in this kind of a game, you're going to try to do that a little bit more because the only way you're really going to have a chance against Cleveland consistently is trying to get one of their bigs in foul trouble because it's just too ridiculous. Otherwise, those guys are insane and they need someone to keep attacking the rim on it. And I think that's going to be what RJ Barrett does here. 7,000, not, like I said, not the greatest price tag. I wish he was about, you know, 500 lower and I'd like it a little bit more, but I still think he's got solid upside in this matchup. And uh, given the fact that, you're going to get likely more of someone like a Levert or a Nakoro being the ones who are going to be kind of guarding him majorly because the guards otherwise are not kind of big enough to be able to handle him. That's uh, where he's got a little bit of an opportunity to operate while they take all of the um, uh, the focus on a Randall and a Brunson otherwise. But let's yeah, jump to yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. Lots of lots of opportunities, but let's see exactly how it ends up going. Moving into the Denver and Pelicans game over here, an 8 o'clock Eastern, Eastern Standard Time game going into New Orleans to take on the Pelicans, who themselves are dealing with a couple of outs, a couple of questionables coming into this game here. Of course, Zion continues to remain out. We're going to have to see what that is going to eventually see him back on the floor. Who knows when that's going to be? Uh, Brandon Ingram is also listed as doubtful in this game, unlikely to be able to see him on the floor. And the other one is Najee Marshall as well, listed as questionable at the moment. Uh, he's been a pretty important cog to them in the backcourt in that small forward position. So those minutes have been spread out. 
And same with Denver. They're going to be looking at, obviously, the big man who's actually missed the last two games and absolutely killed me, by the way, last week in my uh, season-long fantasy. I've got him. I lost my matchup by, like, 20 points. And I'm like, all I needed, Jokic, was for you to play one of the two games. I swear I would have gotten it. Yeah, Jokic is a fan. Uh, It hurt. It hurt. But hopefully... (laughs) He is back on the floor because I need him back and Denver needs him back. But if that's not happening, then the Jamal Murray gravy train continues to run. And he is going to be the number one point guard. I pick on this. Darius Garland is going to go on to the backseat because Jamal Murray at 7,000 has just got far, far, far too much upside to be able to ignore. He's got 40 plus DK points in all of his last four games including when Jokic has been there for two of those. It's just a matter of him kind of getting back into the form that we expect a Jamal Murray to be in, especially given that the Nuggets have some big aspirations this year. And I'm excited to see that once the playoffs roll around. But that is going to be something. Same with Michael Porter, who is listed as questionable with a personal reason. Man, if he's out and Jokic is out, they're really going to be kind of struggling for buckets. So they're going to be needing Jamal Murray to really, really go off there. So that's really been kind of the main area for my focus as far as Denver is concerned. But you know, what about you? What about the Pelicans? Anyone that you're liking on that side? So from the Nuggets side of thing, I mean, you said it, Jamal Murray. I think you picked him a couple of times last pod too. And uh, he's been going off recently. And uh, I kind of, I'm following the same. So I think 7,000 is pretty crazy considering that 7,000 is the same price as uh, RJ Barrett. And uh, <laughs> so I think much cheaper than uh, Jerry Garland. So that's why I kind of went with Jamal Murray. And I think, uh, He's, I mean, without Jokic and Michael Porter Jr., I mean, even he doesn't have a good shooting night, I think just how much usage he's going to have in that type of game, I think is just going to be able to get his value out of it. Another guy who I have is Christian Braun. He had a, a low-key, a really solid game with uh, with the absence of Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic. I think he was the main backup guard off the bench because uh, obviously Bruce Brown and KCP were starting. And uh, he played pretty solid, so I, I kind of like him at 3,000 too because he's going to get a lot of opportunity in this type of game. And for the Pelican side of thing, I went with uh, JV at 6,900. Uh, 6, mm. uh, JV was really interesting to me because uh, he's been playing pretty good basketball. And obviously, uh, it always comes down to his minutes. And uh, I, I feel like in this type of game where they're going to struggle with Zeke Naji and DeAndre Jordan or possibly trying to run Jeff Green at center or Aaron Gordon, I think JV is just going to get some easy buckets, easy rebounds. And uh, he probably will get torched defensively. But offensively, I think he'll be able to just dominate in terms of post play and then dominate in terms of rebounding yeah that's an interesting call because especially when Jokic has been on the floor he has pretty much played JV off the floor like he has not been able to kind of stay on with him and you saw if you looked at earlier in the season he only played about 13 minutes in that game as well because plain simple he couldn't stay on with that so as you said I expect if Jokic is out We'll see a different kind of look to how Denver's offense is going to is going to be coming at you, and that could give more opportunities to JV because he was kind of on my list as like a eh, question mark, but you know has the upside to be able to do pretty well. But I was actually looking at the Larry Nance side of things. I mm-hmm. continue to like him in general. If he can get 25 plus minutes as he has been in the last two games, he flashed his upside in that Miami game there, right? 3,600 in drop, 36 DK points in that. He's just the kind of guy that can give you that well-rounded stat line, doesn't necessarily need to score a lot to be a valuable asset to your daily squad. So it just it just comes down to the same thing. Who's going to be actually on the floor? Who's going to be out? If Najee Marshall is out, I absolutely expect that Larry Nance is going to get the opportunity. And same with Dyson Daniels. I expect that he's going to continue to get the kind of minutes that uh, we've been seeing in the last uh, three games as well. So the less of those guys that are there, the more usage that's available. And all of these guys have shown that they 
kind of have this well-rounded stat line to them. They'll get a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists, and more importantly, they'll also get pretty consistently a steal and a block a game as well, which has been uh, something pretty exciting in general for the Pelicans to be able to kind of consistently be a bit of a defensive force when they're all up and running. So those two from a value perspective have been something that I've uh, kind of circled off for this game. And I expect that I will have between the two of them, at least one in most of my lineups. So let's see how that ends up going on the night, but we're coming down to the late night games. Now the last Three games of this slate with the first one kicking off 830 Eastern Washington going into Dallas. We do have a game total for this one, 225 and a half. The Dallas Mavericks favored to win by seven on this one. And with Washington, the big news that we got, and I guess it's more positive than not, people were worried that Porzingis was going to be gone for a long, long time, kind of based on what we heard about it being a week-to-week scenario. But now we're hearing it might be closer to two weeks, which is which is better, obviously. Hopefully they'll get him onto the floor and back uh, contributing. And we just got one of our first trade drops in this, uh, in this season as well. I mean, obviously the trade deadline coming up on February 9th. We're likely to see quite a few things kind of shift around. But today, the first kind of hat dropped with Rui Hachimura heading off to the Los Angeles Lakers in a trade that's going to bring them back a bunch of second round picks <laughs> and Kendrick Nunn, obviously, you know, just mind blowing, right? Just that uh, just changes the entire landscape of the league. We're not going hey, to be able to see He's a young 28 player, bro. He's a young 28 year old. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to hate on Rui. I do think he's a solid dude, but in general for this game, I expect that we're going to get an opportunity to see a bit more Gafford time and a bit more Avdia time. Mm-hmm. Both those boys are going to be getting the opportunity to play somewhere close to 30 minutes, given how this is. And we've seen Gafford do this in season pasts as well. Really, all he needs is 25 minutes on the floor consistently, and he is going to get you a double-double with a block. It's it's going to happen. And at 4,200 or 4,300, in fact, in this case, I think he's got a great opportunity to be able to do that here again in a matchup where Dallas does have a little bit more size coming on the inside, whether it be Dwight Powell, uh, whether it be, you know, even them kind of switching around with Finney Smith. The good thing is Gafford is kind of slightly undersized, but he's a lot more mobile. So it ends up being one of those guys that uh, Washington is able to kind of throw into a bunch of different situations, which is obviously excellent for his uh, his minutes and his upside there. So 4,300, sign me up. He's probably my favorite center on the slate to be able to go ahead and take. And I expect that he'll be pretty highly owned, but it's just it's just a guy I like uh, alongside with Adia. All right. So I guess uh, you, you spoke about Gafford. Uh, I like Adia as well. I think 4,300, 4,000, those guys are really great value. Uh, Gafford especially, I think uh, he's always been able to play just like – exactly what you expect from your center you know just rebounds easy buckets i know like as soon as uh Przingis was out, i know you were rubbing your hands thinking gaffords you're probably your new walker kessler the guy you're gonna take <laughs> <at least. laughs> and then then he out yeah again like uh just in the absence of Przingis opens up so much more uh play for these type of guys especially with rui hachimer getting traded and speaking about rui hachimer his body is gonna his, he's probably gonna have 100 percent ownership in the next time he plays because at 4400 he's gonna be picked up by everybody and then uh, I also went with Bally Bill at 7300. Uh, Bally Bill is kind of just a play on uh, uh, Przingis as well, where Przingis out. And uh, just looking at his past games where Przingis hasn't played, he's been able to rack up more than 20 shots. And uh, at 7300, I think that's 
really solid price. I mean, I'm going back to that RJ Barrett price tag because uh, RJ <laughs> Barrett was at seven thousand. I think Beal being the first option, I think he's going to have a SMB three has really great chance, especially going against his Dallas team where they aren't really the best team right now. They've kind of been struggling, and I think uh, with Valley Bill can easily go off against the Tim Hardaways and the Josh Greens. Hmm. And then for the Mavs side, I kind of I was just kind of quiet. I mean, obviously the Mavs, we all know the system. It's Luca, then the rest. So I kind of just went with the matchup base with Dorian Finney-Smith because uh, no Christian Wood as usual. Uh, and Dwight Powell is only their option unless they want to run Davis Bertans. Uh, so Dorian Finney-Smith at 4,200. That's a small value pick. Uh, he can have some great upside. Yeah, I, I like Finney and uh, I like Hardaway as well. Just like you said, given the fact that Luca's going to have so much pressure being put on him. And he actually struggled a good bit in that first Washington matchup that happened earlier on in the season. And it was actually Dinwiddie who went off on the other side. Now at 6,500, I'm not really jumping to be able to get onto Dinwiddie because he's been a bit kind of up and down. And I spoke about TJ McConnell at 6,100. I like him more. Kyle Lowry at 4,800. I like him more at that price tag. And then of course, Joel Murray is there for 500 more as well. So there's just so many great guard options to be able to look at today that I'll probably be giving a Dinwiddie a miss. But Hardaway, as a small forward, I do like as a guy to be able to kind of get a little bit of exposure to the matchup because I do expect that this is going to be a pretty good one as far as uh, as far as Dallas is concerned over here. And they need it to kind of get back on track. And Tim Hardaway has shown kind of throughout the season that he shoots quite a bit better at home just overall it's just one of those things where he needs to get uh, get himself going there so let's see how that ends up going at 5600 i'll probably have a little bit of exposure to him probably less so than a, a certain other small forward that's going to be coming up in the next game but let's see how uh, how that ends up working out and we can move right into the second last one of the day the charlotte hornets taking on the phoenix suns 9 p.m start we don't have a total on this one as of yet but we do have a bunch of injuries to be able to report. First of all, uh, Lamella Ball, who was uh, ruled out for this game against uh, against the Jazz on the Monday, uh, we're gonna have to see if he actually is able to get himself back on the floor. He is questionable with his uh, ankle sprain. Uh, Kelly Oubre continues to be out. Uh, Cody Martin is also uh, continuing to be out as well with his knee. So we're gonna have to see if we're gonna get more Rogier kind of coming through. And as far as Phoenix is concerned. We saw Chris Paul get himself back onto the floor and look like he hadn't even left the floor at any point. Went and had a monster game against the Memphis Grizzlies, and we're going to have to see if he can continue that because, on the other hand, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are both uh, continue to be ruled out of their games. Cameron Payne is out. Landry Shaman is out. But who we did see and who I'm going to kind of throw out as a, one of the small forwards I expect to have a good game here, it's Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson from the Phoenix side, sitting at 5,100, had uh, two games back now. First game looked excellent, Only played, still only played 22 minutes, was able to drop 35 DK points, had a less than stellar one in the second one against Memphis. But for me, the biggest thing was that I saw his minutes total go back up there. And really, we know how important he is going to be to this Phoenix team and to this Phoenix offense in general. Kind of across the board, they need him to be able to be that shooter. He's definitely their best kind of pure shooter on, on the team so just more and more opportunity for Chris Paul to kind of dime it over to him and I expect that he'll get a little bit more freedom and just pace to operate with in a Hornets game which is always always up pace and always 
zero defense. So we're going to have to see how uh, how they can go ahead and take advantage of that. Because Chris Paul and Cam Johnson, I'm kind of liking both of those for their kind of price tags and their upsides to be able to go ahead and take. Because on the Charlotte side, to be honest, I'm just kind of avoiding. I might kick a little bit of Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith just because you know he's going to need to be the point guard if uh, Lamelo is in fact ruled out. But I just really don't especially love anyone on the Hornets side. Uh, what do you think? Do you disagree with that? I do disagree with it because I'm I'm falling I'm I'm going for it. You know I mm-hmm. I made fun of Keith for this one time, but I'm going with the Plum God. I'm going with Mason Plumlee <laughs> at sixteen hundred. I mean that guy has been on a nasty tear, and I, I wasn't going to select him originally, but then I realized DeAndre Ayton is out again, so he's probably going to go against his Dario Saric, uh, uh, Bismarck Biambos, and the uh, Jock Lando, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he surprised me. I mean I didn't expect him to have that type of stat line without Lamelo in the lineup. Mm. And uh, he did it again. And so I don't, Terry was here, I, I kind of stayed away with because obviously it comes down to can he take those shots? Can he make sure he hit those? But Mason Plumlee has been interesting. I mean, I was looking at this uh, this month, right? And uh, there's only like, he's had almost, I think, one game where it's under 30 DK fans wins, but the rest have been nearly over 35. And it's sometimes it's like him scoring, just getting like seven assists, 10 rebounds. Like it's like a mini Jokic that I can't believe I'm okay. saying. Okay. <laughs> wow. Man, we yeah, have... I can't believe I've been <laughs> talking about Mason Plumlee for over three minutes now. I mean, it's insane. But uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm going for it. You know, hopefully this doesn't fall like a Sadiq Bay type of trap. But uh, I like Mason Plumlee. And uh, from the okay. Sun side, you said our best CP3 at 3500. He's, he's he seems like a really good option, especially since he kind of looks like his normal self. I mean, he was he was struggling a lot this season. I believe even before his like his injury. And uh, with uh, against the Charlotte, against the Memphis Grizzlies, part of me, he had a really great game. And uh, I think it's gonna be the same against the Charlotte Hornets, but he'll get a lot of easy assists, uh, make the Bismarck Biombo look like a demi god, uh, get Mikhail Bridges his easy buckets, hmm. and just do his thing. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, he's he's an old dude, man. He got seven games off with his hip <laughs> injury, got to uh, get a little State Farm going, and now he's back. He's back on the floor. Oh, State Farm. <laughs> Cliff Paul went away and Chris Paul is back and we're going to get to go ahead and hopefully get another vintage performance out of him for his price tag there. So let's get right into then the final matchup of the night, which is the Clippers taking on the Lakers, that battle of L.A. that everyone circles and always (laughs) turns out to be a much worse game than you actually think it is. But we're looking at a 232 total. The Clippers favored to win by three and a half and for what was probably, you know, a handful of times of the season, they're pretty much healthy coming into this matchup over here. Outside of outside of John Wall and Luke Kennard, who are kind of just support pieces out there, the main stars of the team are there. And more importantly, they've been playing well. Kawhi especially has been warming up as of late and really uh, starting to find his groove from a shooting perspective as well. So, you know, they're going to be looking to kind of keep the momentum going as far as they're concerned. Because the Lakers, on the other hand, continues to be shorthanded, and now they're going to be further shorthanded because of the fact that none has gone as well, which is just, you know, not like it's a huge loss or anything, but it's just yeah. more, it's more just the idea of like less you. minutes. It's like less, it's just, you know, less minutes to be able to, none comes in, plays 20 minutes, maybe it'll give Westbrook a little bit of a rest, which by the way, before I get into this, I was uh, looking up at the odds just because I like to keep up with it. You know, Westbrook is leading the race for six man of the year this year. I I, I don't really? see I, I can't. I blew my mind. I'm like, wow, he is the leading candidate right now from a from a betting odds perspective to be uh, six man of the year. And I'm like, man, 
I'm looking at the guy on the other side of this game, Norman Powell, who probably has a more legitimate you know, claim to be able to get to that, or even like a Malik Monk on the uh, on the Sacramento Kings. But man, that's uh, yeah, I, it would be kind of hilarious to be after Westbrook kind of cried about wanting to not wanting to be on the bench and everything else that kind of came with that, and now to be like, yeah, sixth man of the year. That was. I mean, he has been playing some really <laughs> solid basketball. Hey, the Lakers are like what the eighth seed or something. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm always with a soft spot for my boy Russell, but it's uh, it's two things. Once you're on the Lakers, you're dead to me. Sorry, Lakers fans. It's just this is what it is. Same thing happened with LeBron. I love the guy, but once you're on the Lakers, you're dead to me, man. Sorry. <laughs> and then it just comes back to the same thing where it's like, yeah, he's six man, but he's playing like you know 35 minutes a game at this point. Are you really a six man or just kind of doing it for the heck of it? Because where I'm actually going to talk about is on the point guard slot, as far as the Lakers are concerned, it's been Dennis Schroeder, who's really taken advantage over the last two games over here. And, you know, we'd seen him get on this kind of a hot streak early on in this in the month and especially kind of leading into the new year. He had a couple of great games there as well. But now back to back 49, 46 DK points. And it's not like I'm, you know, tripping over myself to be able to get a Schroeder, especially given the fact that there's so many point guards available. But I think he is in a spot where he could continue this going, especially given the fact that the Clippers really, from a backcourt perspective, continue to be really lacking out there. Forget the fact that John Wall is not even there, but really as far as point guard in general, they've been running either Terrence Mann or it's going to be one of the uh, big two kind of playing de facto point guard. The reality is, when it comes on the other side, they're going to be focused on defending LeBron James and they're going to be focused on worrying about Russell Westbrook and all of those other things that come with it. Dennis Schroeder kind of gets to be a little bit under the radar and kind of do his thing. And he's sneaky good at getting to the free throw line. 21 attempts in the last two games over there. So just easy points to be able to do that. So it, it adds up. It adds up. And I think at 5,500, he is a, a guy that you can really take a look at. And as far as the Clippers concerned, really the, the one guy that I was looking at here it's from a front court perspective. You you talked about Plumlee for three minutes. I'm looking at Zubots. I'm looking at Zubots in this game, man. This is going to be one of those where he continues to dominate. And, hey, you want to hear a crazy stat? Zubots has played two games now against the Lakers this year. He has yet to miss a shot. He is 10 of 10 from the field. 10 of 10 from the field so far and has averaged 37 DK points in the two games that he's played against them, including 12 and a half rebounds a game. So it's just one of those where clearly – Without Anthony Davis especially, there is very little in the front court that can really hang with the, the size and the strength that Zubats does have. And he's kind of sneaky with that, where it's like, okay, Zubats is going to dominate us again. And you know what's always funny to me from a Zubats perspective? The Lakers had him, and, the, and, and they, like, gave away for nothing. It was just one of those where, like, oh, hey, uh, hey, Clippers, you want him? Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Mike Muscala. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, sure, bro. Like, we'll take him. No problem. You're just throwing him away to us. And Zubac just continues to be just a sneaky, sneaky good center for the Clippers. And this is another matchup where he's just going to have a dominant position in the front court. So I'm kind of avoiding all these expensive guys that, are, that I've spoken about because I'm going to be going with a more balanced lineup today. And uh, Zubac is alongside my uh, my previous center play, Daniel Gafford, that I like, that's probably going to be where I end up kind of going. So, spoiler alert, that's my guys. Uh, I went with, uh, I know obviously I'm going to be talking about Kawhi versus LeBron, but uh, I, I'm going to be watching this matchup for Terrence Mann versus Dennis Schroeder because those are the oh, two yeah. guys that I just... That's the matchup we're waiting for. <laughs> I think the backup point guard is the intriguing part of this game. I think Terrence Mann at 4,500, and you said Dennis Schroeder at 5,500. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has been playing some absolute amazing basketball. Uh, just been doing uh, 
a lot of things he's been, you know, he's been able to do in his past career, but he's been struggling with the Lakers, of course. And then uh, he's just been scoring the ball, uh, playing defense, just doing uh, kind of everything the Lakers need him to do, especially in this type of state. And then on uh, the Clippers side of things, Terrence Mann at 4,500, he was uh, like, what, 5,600 after he had that huge Houston Rockets game, which I was I was staying away from for the longest time. But at 4,500, uh, they've said that they want him to stay there as a starting point guard, if not now, eventually later on. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, Terrence Mann at 4,500, uh, I think in this type of game, uh, he may not be scoring a lot, but I think he's gonna have a huge a lot of value in terms of playing defense, especially if a guy like Dennis Schroeder goes off. I think Terrence Mass can be a lot, used a lot more just to try to slow him down, and I think he'll be able to rack up a few assists, a few rebounds, maybe a steal, a block, and then just have a great night overall. Okay, well, we'll have to see who has the better night then. No, not that I have <laughs> big exposure. I'm not talking about it. If you want to put a Daniel Gafford or a Zubats wager, maybe Zubats against Plumlee. Who's going to do better? Oh, on- Zubats versus Plumlee. Let's do yeah, it. Like that. Let's go ahead and throw that out there. That's going to be our uh, our <laughs> sports ethos matchup of the night. See how those things go. But as yeah, always. Um, beardish, <laughs> hey, man. That, hey, that's that's how you know you're getting value, right? Anyone can look at the stars and be like, hey, who's going to be going off? We can go Kawhi versus LeBron, but that's boring. <laughs> this is where the real value comes, all right? People want to know Plumlee versus Zubats. That's what's going to really change the way our matchup goes as far as DFS is concerned. So, hey, man, this is where you really get into the weeds of it. But speaking of getting into the weeds of it, the last bit is the player prop side of things, which is coming through on Thrive Fantasy as always. Those daily player props, be able to play DFS in a different way, just looking at over and under on there. So make sure you get yourself signed up. And as far as kind of the guys that I'm looking at over here, I have two. uh, One that has a bit more as far as point value is concerned and one that's a little bit safer as far as my thought goes. But let's start with the safe one, which is Tyler Hero. 20 and a half total for points and assists. I do expect that he will be over on that one in this matchup over here. Uh, just one, given the fact that he's had a very solid season against the Boston Celtics so far this season. He's played three games there, has averaged 51% from the field on 24 and a half points a game, and just has continued to be a terror. And what, what to say? Boston is just has really struggled to be able to contain him. 20 and a half should be pretty safe for him to get just pretty close on points. So if you can rack up an assist or two and get there, I think that should be just fine. And the second one is really just going back to what we were speaking about earlier with Chris Paul, just looking rejuvenated and really, really solid in that first game that he got back. And for him, 21 and a half is a total that's coming for points and assists, where if you're over on that, you get a hundred points and I'm, I'm liking that one. So those are kind of my pillars to be able to start as far as Thrive's concerned. Uh, so I got three picks, as, uh, three picks and I got, of course, I'm riding in all the way on the Jimmy Butler train against Boston. I think he's going to average more than 31 and a half total points, rebounds, assists. I think he can have a, a nice triple-double type game. I think he'll be able to beat that. And then uh, you spoke about it, Chris Paul, over 21 and a half total points and assists. The uh, fact that he's the only guy between the trio, him, Booker, and uh, Aiden, I think uh, he's going to have a lot of high usage rate. Just going to be able to rack up some easy buckets against a horrible defensive Charlotte team. And then uh, the last one I got is Paul George over 31 and a half total points, rebounds, assists. I think uh, you're probably going to have, what, Troy Bond Jr. guarding Paul George. So I think this should be a pretty relatively easy matchup for Paul George to just rack up more than 31 and a half total points, rebounds, assists. 
All right, I like it. You get a little bonus on there because you got to piggyback on my uh, CP3, which is, I guess, going to be the player picture for this uh, for this podcast. So love that. Love that. And as always, love the interaction and engagement that we get with you guys. Again, just keep plugging. That DFS pass is going to be your key to be able to keep yourself engaged all the way through. So get yourself subscribed to that. Keep talking with us. And you can find me on Twitter. Hit me up at HAK underscore devil, where you can DM me. You can send me some tweets. Let me know if you are on the Zubot side of the train, AKA the winning train, or if you're, you know, a plum dog millionaire and you're going to end up. Oh, in the excuse team. me. Plum God. <laughs> nice. Plum dog, whatever he is. <laughs> but speaking of whatever he is, where are you on Twitter reviews? I'm on Twitter at two nights. It'll be spelled T O zero underscore nice underscore. Love it. All right. Well, make sure you guys keep uh, keep engaged with us, keep following with us, and keep on yourself tuned to that injury report all the way to the end, that live injury report that Sports Ethos offers and on Discord with Ask the Pros. But until then, we'll catch you on the next one. Good luck on these GPPs. Let's go and take some down. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.